Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. everyone. Great to be with you today, uh, those in the room, those online. Fantastic that we can gather together. And I do really want to uh, just uh, affirm the work of Lee and Kathy uh, with Divorce Care, and it might be exactly what uh, you are needing to engage with. And this is a safe place here at Clovey where you can engage with the things that are going on in life uh, that maybe are difficult and hard, and it's a safe place to be able to um, press uh, into that. So I affirm that uh, to you know, we're in this series, God Never Said That, and uh, we've been looking at a range of different things that God never said from his Bible. I'm going to be digging into that uh, some more today. But the first thing really I want to say is that I really believe that we're all on a, a journey and a pursuit of truth in our lives. It's really in some ways how we make sense of the world, isn't it? How we kind of understand what is real, what isn't. You know, can I see it? Can I touch it? Can I feel it? How do I understand it? And there's all these different ways in which we make sense of things uh, in our world. And, and spirituality and faith uh, also has a really strong uh, part to play in how we make sense of the world and what is true and how, how do we actually know how something can be true. And what's really interesting, if you go to some statistics about this, um, McCrindle's been doing some work on this and the ABS, you know, we have a census uh, uh, every um, few years and, and it actually says, well, what's the pulse of what people are believing and what are people thinking in our society in Australia today? And with some of the stats that have been coming out over recent years, uh, 68% of Australians self-identify as spiritual, follow uh, some kind of religion. 52% of people identify themselves, they self-identify themselves as uh, being a Christian. This one's interesting for me, 55% of Australians are open to having spiritual conversation with their family and with their friends. You see, if you picked up a newspaper or if you, you know, kind of went on your Facebook thread or on your social media um, you know, account, you probably realise that people aren't that open to faith because it seems like Christianity is more and more getting pushed to the margins. But yet there is a spiritual openness in our society. Just a really interesting thing to ponder. And when we look at, at this conversation about being on a pursuit of truth, what is true, what is not, there's a faith dimension that is just such, uh, it's so, so very important for us to consider. But I guess the question in that is, does it really matter what I believe? Does, does it really matter? Don't all roads lead to God anyway? What about if I'm just happy around me, if the people around me, if I try and make them happy, isn't that enough? These are some of the things that maybe we think about in our society today. You know, in the, in the last few years, the last few decades, really, there's been a rise of what we call relative truth. What is true for you might not be true for me, and we kind of work it out and we say, well, that's okay. It doesn't seem like there is an absolute truth that is agreed upon, but there's this relative approach to truth. And then in the mix of that, there's also the rise of tolerance, so in terms of, well, you can have your belief, I'll have my belief, don't let those things cross, and if you don't you know, allow me to have mine, if I don't allow you to have yours, then there's a real problem with that. So relative truth, tolerance, and a move to hyper-individualism. So we don't live in the community as much, and we don't necessarily have the community values as much as what we had in the past, uh, where now it's more uh, individualistic, uh, more than ever. And you've probably noticed that. And so today we're in this series, God Never Said That, and we're going to explore this question, well, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere. Did God say that? 
Doesn't matter what you believe, just as long as you are sincere. And that's a really fascinating question to consider with the rise of relative truth and also the rise of tolerance, where it seems like tolerance is king in our society today. So is it true that, you know, we can kind of walk through life and it's like, you know, you kind of picture Coles or Woolworths or Audi and you're going through, you know, the supermarket and you just kind of pull off the bits and the pieces from the shelves that you want and fill it in your spiritual, you know, kind of, you know, kind of trolley. Is that sort of where we're at in life, you know, or is there some other things to maybe consider? Is there more of an absolute truth that needs to be looked at and considered? Because... That's sort of the society in which we're living in now. We're living in a society where it's just a spiritual supermarket. You just kind of grab the bits and pieces that you want. You leave on the shelf the things that you don't want. But I actually don't feel like that is right. See, the only problem is, is that God never said that. It actually does matter what you believe. It really does matter what you believe. And Jesus has some things to say about this. In John 14, he says these words. He says that, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you really know me, then you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do, not, you do know him and have seen him. You know, Jesus is making some pretty remarkable claims about himself, really. Uh, they're called truth claims. And what's interesting is I think some people, they come to a conversation about Jesus and there's some things that they go, yeah, really love his teaching, really, uh, really think he was a good man. But when it comes to him making an exclusive claim, we can get a little bit restless in our chairs because the idea of making an exclusive claim uh, or, or a truth claim is something that is probably not as common in our society today. Because it pushes back against the relative truth. It pushes back against the, uh, the um, tolerance that is kind of really widely held in our society today. But this is what Jesus said. He said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says that I am the way. He says that if you want to know about life, follow me. I'll show you the way. I'll, I'll be the one who, who lights your path. I'll be the one that shows you and gives you direction for the decisions that you need to make, both for yourself, for your family, and in the betterment of society together. He says that he is the truth, that he knows what is real and what is accurate. He is the one who is truth. Truth is a principle, but we can also see truth as a person in the man of Jesus Christ. And he says that he is the life, that uh, the true, the most fulfilling, and the most full life is found in him. Not the easiest life. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you'd know that. But he'll give you all the tools and equip you with all the skills and give you everything you need to have the fullest life here on earth and into eternity. And these are these exclusive claims, these truth claims. And Jesus is making it clear that there's one path to God and it is through him. And today, really, what I want you to consider, when we're in this series, God never said that. And when we look at this idea of it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere, I want you to consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. Now, I know I come to this conversation uh, quite biased, really, you know, working in a church as a church pastor, uh, you know, but I want you to consider Jesus wherever you find yourself before him today. It might be that you're exploring faith in him, or it might be that you've been following him for years and years. It might be that you're trying to work out what is truth in your life on this pursuit of truth, or it might be that you are positioned and God has blessed you in relationships in a workplace or in a family or in a street where you have an opportunity to share about Jesus. 
So it might be today that you're listening and engaging in this message and you're actually going, what does this mean for me in my life? Or you might be thinking, how can I share this with the people in whom God has brought in my life? But I ask you to consider Jesus. Consider Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus, uh, he was a man who lived 2,000 years ago. History teaches us that. He lived a life of obedience to his Father. He was sent from heaven to earth. He lived uh, a perfect, sinless life. He had the ability to heal and restore. He elevated people from the margins into the middle of society. He taught people about God. He showed people a new way to live. That's who Jesus was. He lived his life so perfect for his Father in heaven that he would take on the sin of the world and he'd die on a cross. Not to be defeated, he'd rise again in three days' time and we have this opportunity to have life in him. And you know, people spoke about him around the time of his life here on earth as well. Historians spoke about him. There's a man called Josephus and he says this, he says, now there was about this time Jesus, a wise man, if it is lawful to call him a man, for he was a doer of wonderful works, a teacher of such men as received the truth with pleasure. So Jesus is this man who walked the earth. People knew about him. People spoke about him. But his story is recorded in the Bible. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's where uh, the four Gospels that record his, his narrative, his story, his life. And we learn so much about Jesus by engaging with the Bible and particularly the New Testament. And you might be wondering and thinking, well, Mike, how do we even know if that's a reliable document? And that's a really good question. How do we actually know if the Bible is a source of truth or a, or a document that can actually be trusted? And that's a really, really great question. And there's this test. It's an external evidence test. It's called a manuscript evidence test. And what it does is it actually looks at the reliability of a certain document. And it asks really these two questions. It says, how many copies of this document do we have? And what's the gap? This is the key thing, the gap between when it was written and the earliest surviving copy. And we've got some examples we're going to put up on the screen. We've got some of Caesar's writings, the Roman general from uh, 100 um, to 44 BC, and he had a number of different writings. The earliest copy that was found was in 900 AD, in a time span of about 1,000 years, and there's 10 copies of that around. And then we have Homer. Uh, of the Iliad form, not of the Simpsons, if that's where your mind went. Famous Greek author. You've got to go a little bit further back than the Simpsons. Hopefully you knew that. And uh, Iliad uh, was probably uh, Homer's most famous work and um, written in 800 BC. The earliest copies in 400 BC, time span there of 400 years. And there's over 600 copies of the Iliad. And then I'll take you to the New Testament. It was written between 40 and 100 AD, so just after the time of Jesus. The earliest uh, fragment of a copy is from 125 AD. That's a portion of John's Gospel called John Ryland's Manuscript, which can be seen in the Manchester Museum. But we had a full uh, New Testament by 300 AD. So you can see there's a time span between, say, 25 to 100 years, uh, which is quite a, a smaller time span, a smaller gap. And there's over 24,900 copies uh, around the place of that document. Wow. Incredible to think. You know, Caesar's work, Homer's work, probably not the sort of things that you'd question in terms of the reliability of the document. And then you can see with the New Testament, just 
so much credible evidence in terms of that manuscript evidence test that it was a reliable document. What is in it is true. There's a great textual uh, critic, his name's F.J.A. Hort, and he says this, he says, In the variety and fullness of the evidence in which it rests, the text of the New Testament stands absolutely and unapproachably alone among ancient prose writings. You know, so there was people that spoke about this man, Jesus, people that followed him and people who didn't, his followers, his disciples, and also historians. And then we have the Bible, which is a credible text. In, in the Bible, it is what it says it is. And I have confidence in knowing that what I read in the Bible is what Jesus actually lived and what he experienced here on earth. And one of the most um, interesting things about this is that what I see about Jesus when I read the New Testament is I actually see him as someone who he lived out what he said he believed. He had integrity. There was an authenticity, a genuineness about him. You see, at the start of his ministry, he really he spoke to us about his purpose. And he spoke to us about the things that were going to be most important to him here on earth. And in Luke 4, he says this. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. And to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You see, Jesus was one of these hands-on type of leaders. He rolled up his sleeves. He got his hands dirty. He lived what he taught. He oozed compassion and care for others. He regularly looked out for how he could help others. He was happily interrupted. Just read through some of his stories. He was always being interrupted by people who needed him. And he'd give them time and he'd give them dignity. He looked for where people were not uh, being elevated in society. So the women and children, different people who were sick and marginalized. And he looked to see how he could heal and restore them. And when quizzed at a dinner party about why he spent so much time with tax collectors and sinners, why he would live this way, Jesus says this in Mark 2. He says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but Sinners. You see, the people that others despised, Jesus loved. And you might feel that in your own life. There might be parts of your life where you've carried shame and guilt or you've felt marginalized or you've felt that you haven't been accepted and you've found that in him. Or it might be today that you're wondering about your life and thinking, well, how do I even fit in this world? And I am on the path and pursuit of truth. That's part of the reason why I'm here. It may be in the room or you're with us online. And Jesus would want to extend his hand out to you. And he'd want to uh, say, I want to spend time with you. I want to learn uh, more about you and grow in a relationship with you. And Jesus didn't have any trouble in being exclusive about that and saying that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus lived what he believed and he asked his disciples to do the same. In John 8, it says this, he says, If you hold on to my teaching, you're really my disciples. And then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. He's talking about himself being the one who is the truth. He said, If you hold on to my teaching, then you know that you're my disciples and then you'll know the truth. You'll know me and this truth will set you free. And this truth claim of knowing 
Jesus and being set free, it really is something that separates Jesus from all the other world leaders uh, from different world religions. It, it is something that is quite distinct and unique in that way. You know, if you look at Buddhism, there isn't a God. There's no real type of final existence. There's countless reincarnation cycles. That's the way that you live. If you look at Hinduism, well, it's an impersonal God approached through deities, statues, and idols. Both uh, Buddhism and Hinduism don't offer any type of forgiveness. Everything's just got to do with karma. So in terms of how you live, uh, it would be what you're dealt in the next life. Uh, if you look at uh, um, being a, a Muslim, you're worshipping Allah, uh, but your standing really uh, is on your religious devotion and on your works and how you live in that way. You know, we have many uh, new age forms of uh, religion where, you know, it's just kind of choose your own adventure. If you want a higher power, you can have it. If that higher power is you, you can have it. If it's something in the cosmos and you make sense of it, then go ahead, go and make sense of that. It's much more of the spiritual supermarket that I was talking to you about at the beginning of our time together. And then we have Christianity, where we have a personal God. This personal God sent Jesus to earth. And Jesus lived a perfect life, died and rose again for the forgiveness of our sins. And we have an opportunity to live with him forever. Jesus comes and he says, I am the truth and I can set you free. Do you want truth in your life? Do you want to be set free? Is that a yearning that you have in your life because this life is found in a relationship with Jesus because you know what? It actually does matter what you believe. It actually really does. It really does matter what you believe. And Jesus would say, I am the truth. I am the life. I am the way. I am the life. And I've come to set you free. And being in the role that I'm in at the church here, I get this amazing opportunity to connect with people all the time about what God's been doing in your life. It's a real privilege, massive privilege in my life. And I've seen people uh, come to know Jesus in more measure in this last 12 months. I've seen people go, oh, I know Jesus is the way. I know he's the truth. I know he's the life. I'm experiencing more freedom with him. I know there's people in our church who at the start of last year when COVID hit thought, I'm closing the doors on my business. We're done. <laughs> this is it. It's finished. I had, a, I had a couple of people talk to me about that. And then yet in this last 12 to 18 months has seen an incredible provision and hand of God in their lives and on their business. And, and freedom that comes from that and in that way. I've seen people in this last 12 months who have been healed from past hurts, things that they've been carrying. Maybe it's also some shame and some guilt in life and being freed from having to carry that. And that stuff is hard. It's sort of like you've got these kind of suitcases that are heavy and you're holding on to this stuff that you're carrying around. And I've seen Jesus bring his freedom into people's lives in that sort of way. And I've also seen people have freedom in exploring new opportunities. Because sometimes speaking and thinking about new opportunities is great, but it takes a lot of courage to step into the new. And for people to actually step in and say, yes, God's been speaking to me about this. I'm going to step in. And they have experienced God's freedom in that way. So do you know Jesus' freedom in your life? Do you know the truth of Jesus and know his freedom in your life? 
And I want to take a few moments uh, just now to specifically speak to those that have been following Jesus uh, for any length of time and are in a relationship with him. I want to ask you, really honestly, are you experiencing the freedom that Jesus died and rose again on the cross for in your life? Are you genuinely, or are you going through some motions? Are you ticking some boxes? Are you experiencing the freedom that Jesus has given you? Are you growing in your love for God and your love for others as you engage with God through his word? In Colossians 3, uh, Paul calls us to focus on Jesus and to live for him. Verses 12 to 14 say this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let me ask you, are you clothing yourself in God's ways? Are you experiencing the freedom that Jesus would want you to have in your life? Can you honestly say, if you look back over the last six months, are you growing in being more compassionate, more kind, more humble, more gentle, more patient, and more forgiving? Because this is the work of Jesus in our lives. If we are in a relationship with him, if we are growing to become more like him, then by his grace, he desires for us to be growing in these things. Do you know his freedom? Do you know his life and freedom that he has for you? And you know, for all of us uh, today in the room and online, you know, I'm not asking you today to uh, consider, you know, our church here at Clovey or even some of the Christians that you know around the place when it comes to, you know, it doesn't matter what you believe. No, I'm not. Because inevitably, the church and Christians, we're going to let you down if you're exploring faith or if you're looking to see what freedom is like. Because we're imperfect. We, we don't have it all together. What I'm asking you to do is consider Jesus. Consider Jesus, the one who says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. The one who is the truth and has the ability and capacity to set you free. I'm asking you today to consider him. You know, because many people have spoken about Jesus. I don't think there's a lot that would question that he lived and also question that he was a great teacher. But this exclusive claim that can make us maybe even feel uncomfortable today about him being the way, the truth, and the life. Him being the one that can bring freedom into our lives. This is something that we need to consider deeply. For those of us that are exploring faith and those of us who have been following him for some time, because we can get into rhythms, we can get into ways of thinking about things, we can just get into you know, kind of our own kind of approach to life and maybe forget and we kind of put the church or we put other things in there. Today I'm asking you to consider Jesus and your relationship with him. Because we've got to consider what he did and how he lived here on, life, on earth. Because why would he claim to be God if he wasn't? Why would he claim to say, I'm the way, truth, and life if he wasn't? Was, was he a liar? Is that what Jesus was? All those years ago, he just had a good con, just kept it going. 
Is that who he was? It's interesting to think about that because this movement that started from this ragtag group of disciples, these unschooled men and women, then 2,000 years later, this movement that's over 2.3 billion people worldwide following him, was it just some good con? Or was Jesus just like a little bit crazy, a little bit deluded? Or was he just sort of this guy who was just like, you know, I'm just going to say whatever, hopefully it works out. You know, there was actually other people around Jesus' time who claimed to be the Messiah. Because God's people were awaiting freedom. They were awaiting a Messiah. There were some other people that came and then they went. Would Jesus put himself in that category? But yet, we have this movement that's growing. Or could it be that Jesus is who he says he is? And it's something for us to consider today. That he is the truth. And he's come to set us free. C.S. Lewis says these words. He says, A man who is merely a man and says the sorts of things that Jesus said wouldn't be a great moral teacher. He'd either be insane or he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was the son of God or else he was something worse. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He hasn't left that open to us. He didn't intend to. You know, according to God, it does matter what we believe. It really does matter what we believe. Jesus says that he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. And freedom is found in him. Where are you placed before him today? Let's bow our heads. Let's take a moment to be with God.